0: I really challenge any sales org leader to really understand what your actual problems are and where they rank against not only the needs of the sales org, but against the greater business. And that's not something we had ever really done before. So peeling back those layers was really exciting to me, very overwhelming, but I also understood that there was light at the end of the tunnel once we had outlined our priorities.
1: Welcome to the OpStars Podcast, we host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes, holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBrady. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Rachel McBrady, and I'm joined today by Ryan Morrow. Welcome, Ryan.
0: Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for having me.
1: Great to have you. So Ryan, you're Senior Director of Sales and Sales Development at Cybrary, which is a cybersecurity professional development platform that provides IT and security professionals with the knowledge and skills to achieve their career goals. You bring an extensive background in sales leadership and consultation. Prior to your role at Cybrary, you were the team lead of business development at Social Tables, which is Cvent now, the Director of Sales at Trustify. Where you were coaching sales development representatives and account executives on customer service and sales techniques. And you were a key contributor to the enhancement of the lead qualification process. A very interesting background and skill set that you bring. Excited to pick your brain on, on how to build out sales development teams and what it looks like to be on the, the front lines of responding to all those leads. Before we jump into what you've been doing and building out at CyberAid, maybe tell us a little bit more around the key stages of your career journey and what led you to your success at your role at Cyberary?
0: Absolutely. So I sort of organically accidentally fell into sales. I was in more of an event coordinator role and it sort of parlayed into sales. I was working for the Washington Capitals practice facility, doing a lot of their event coordinating. And they had two stores, a team store that sells mostly Washington Capitals merchandise and a pro shop that was for more of the buying your skates, your pads, your sticks, your figure skates, et cetera. And so when we had large events, they would ask me to to help out. It was an all hands on deck situation. And when I was working in the store, I felt a lot more comfortable than I did actually in the event coordinator role. I felt happier. I felt like I was more in tune with what I was actually good at. And it came very easily to me. I wanted to understand what your pain was. I wanted to see what you actually needed and why. Were you here as more of an emotional response or were you here because you actually needed something? Were you going to buy emotionally and justify that as an intellectual process? And again, that just kind of came to me very, very easily. And then a friend that worked there said her husband was a part of a new tech startup in the area. And I was looking for a career change. And again, it happened very organically. And that's how I became an SDR.
1: That's really cool. I love your perspective on understanding the emotional plus the rational that that came to you intuitively. You have to deliver rational benefits to a company, but people do buy emotionally even in B2B. It's that combination. You have to have them both. So we met a few years ago. You had such an amazing story of what you'd been doing at Cybrary that within a year of being there, you'd built this in-house SDR team from the ground up. We're having amazing results. In fact, you were an OpStars Award finalist for having the highest ROI program of the year. Let's talk about what you built at Cybrary because I think the audience would really love to understand how you start from scratch. Before we dig in, give us a little bit of an overview of the go-to-market motion at Cybrary just so we have context.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What you just said where you're like, you built it from scratch and you did all these things. It feels so nice when somebody else says it to you instead of me telling other people. And so the go-to-market strategy is that we're an inbound response team. And what that means is, is that anyone that we're speaking to on the sales development side has either signed up for an account of Cyber or they have specifically raised their hand requesting a business trial or an interactive walkthrough. These people come in, they've signed up for an account, and we put SDRs specifically against people that identify themselves as a manager. So we were having the SDRs call these people, but before these people would actually get in the SDRs' names, I had to check a lead queue almost every minute. If I was away in meetings and I didn't have access to my laptop, those leads just sat there. And then I would assign them out manually. And then I'd have to go in and manually see whether or not they had been called or emailed. And so as you can imagine, there was no strategy to for a big picture of the team. It was me constantly in the weeds and just sort of managing. It wasn't even a day to day. It was like a minute to minute type thing where I was like, did this person get called? Hey, this person has a great title. Why have you you guys called them? I'm going to have to move this because so and so is out. It really became extremely frustrating and increasingly hard to manage. And all by itself, that was a full-time job. And then one just quick aside, we just hired, funny story, a new sales operations director who was my manager when I started out as an SDR. So things have come full circle. He had never been exposed to lean data and I was walking him through it. And he was like, how did you guys manage without this tool before? It's such a good tool. And I was like, well, we did it is the short answer to your question.
1: But what made you go, this doesn't have to be this way because there's plenty of folks out there that Do what you do every day and have been doing it for a long time. And still the light bulbs haven't gone off that there might be a better way. Somebody has to have solved for this.
0: Well, my mindset always was, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing it this way? So, And I think we're just almost in survival mode that it was hard to kind of peek your head out of the foxhole and say, hey, we have to figure this out in order to move the business forward. I had been exposed to lean data at social tables. And what we were doing is any leads that came in, we it was very, very easy. It was all territory-based. So if you worked with the Hilton Hotels or you worked with Marriott, the leads that came in from that domain were routed to those specific people. How I was using it on the sales development side is I was saying, hey, this person is pretty good. I want to give them of the leads that are coming in. This person, not so much. I want to give them 30% of the leads and I want to manage from there to see what their conversion rates are. So I had known of lean data, but to my surprise, when we actually got on a demo and we explained what we needed help with, it was like, yeah, we can do that. 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 And something that we were accustomed to internally at Cyberary is that for all of our problems, we threw individual tools at it. And Lean Data was able to cover so many of our problems that it didn't make sense not to move forward with it. Tell us,
1: what kind of volumes are we talking about for your inbound? What were you managing?
0: Oh gosh, so on both sides, on our consumer product as well as our B2B product, we're we're looking at like 20,000 leads uh, a day. And so where we had no air traffic controlling going on, Again, we have a, we have a really amazing luxury of putting SDRs against very middle of funnel, essentially like these leads are very, very warm. And I was trying to discern what's a good lead and what's not a good lead and and how, who to get that to and how to appropriately manage them. It became so challenging, but when I would go to do postmortems on my month, I really couldn't make heads or tails of the data. The data was so all over the place. That I didn't truly understand what was working or what wasn't working. And one that doesn't make me look like a valuable leader to my organization if I can't truly tell marketing what I need or product what I need. So lean data also helped me kind of sort out that big mess.
1: That first year built out the key automations, how to get the flow and activities to the right people at the right time. And that had a big impact on the organization. So what were some of the results that you saw at the end of that first year?
0: Well, one, I think it was just having speed. So I was like, okay, this is working right now. If it starts to fail, we can be a lot more proactive than reactive. We didn't have that before. And sometimes it was, we were far too down a rabbit hole before we could pull ourselves out and say, Hey, this isn't working. So I think it really gave us the leverage to fail and fail really quickly. And then we could change direction super fast if we needed to, it's a very intuitive system just to move the nodes around and connect the different lines where it needs to go or change people's names or change the lead cues in Salesforce, whatever you need to do. It can be done in a matter of seconds. We did not have that luxury. If we needed to change directions and do an about face, it was a full overhaul that took several days. And I think the first thing that we were able to really, the first big win we had was speed. And then outside of that, I would say the second thing was optimization. We, again, we didn't understand where we should attribute more more bodies or more ad spend. And that, so coupled with speed and optimization, we were able to get so much data back from that, that it really revolutionized the process. And today, what our process looks like compared to what it did, it seems so crazy because it feels like it was 20 years ago, but it was really like a year and a half, two years ago. It seems like it wasn't even the same company or the same team that was in place. Excellent. So
1: if you can do that for the high volumes and the complexity you're talking about, I think this can apply to anybody who has to manage inbound. It doesn't have to be a high volume solution because I think what you've built is a way to be that air traffic controller. Let's go back and talk about that first year. When you looked at what you had, had to accomplish to get to where a lot of this stuff was automated, what were the major stages you went through to get the team to where you were able to be that air traffic
0: controller? That's actually a really, really good question because, well, one, I haven't really thought about it like that because like I said, we were you're triggering me a lot of, with my first year right now. You're sending me back to a place I never want to go back to. but. We weren't really building upon an actual fully functioning sales org. We were just like, we got to go do this and we got to go tackle this and we got to go tackle this. And it wasn't done. It wasn't optimized with data and it wasn't prioritized with the actual needs of the business. So we, we understood that, but we just didn't know how to solve for that. So the first step was, what do we need? And then after outlining what we need, assign a weight to that. Is this our biggest priority, or is the next thing on our list our biggest priority? And sorting that out before we even got to lean data was, was our biggest. Well, we had to, we actually really had to prove a use case that why we need this tool. And I at first I thought, you know, I had this kind of a fruitless exercise, but it's not. I really challenge any sales org leader to really understand what your actual problems are and where they rank against not only the needs of the org, the sales org but against the greater business. And that's not something we had ever really done before. So peeling back those layers was really exciting to me, very overwhelming, but I also understood that there was light at the end of the tunnel once we had outlined our priorities.
1: You just said something that I think is really interesting, aligning to the business. So the priorities weren't, hey, I need to be able to automate this lead getting into somebody's hands. You thought about a bigger picture. What were some of the key problems to solve that you were looking at?
0: Yeah. So, really like untangling our funnel, what's really top of funnel and what's really bottom of funnel, and making sure that we understood that. Because fundamentally, you know, kind of like, hey, this is a good lead, this is a bad lead. But what we weren't doing is we weren't running those leads back through a marketing machine. We were just putting them to the side, even though they may have value. We just didn't have the time or we didn't have the bandwidth with the team that we had to hit everything that we needed to. And I think. The thing that made us take the biggest step back is that we weren't running our business efficiently. And we were saying, okay, we got this new feature from product. We need to go sell it. Not we're learning the needs of our customers. We need to have a coherent conversation with product and give them that feedback. It was very much like, this is what we got. So make it work. And that's, to me, you're never going to be able to get to the next level of your business If you can't truly understand what the full needs of not only your customers are, but what your business really needs to thrive.
1: I think that's brilliant. That perspective set the team up against key goals. And then that also sets you up as a leader in the organization, if you can tie back to how you're improving the funnel or how you're hitting on key metrics around a product launch or go-to-market.
0: We had no idea what was working and what wasn't working. So it's like, are we failing or are we thriving? And should we continue to pour ad spend or put more STRs against a specific campaign. We couldn't, it was just too much fog. There was no clarity to really where we needed to go next.
1: Well, you have called yourself an air traffic controller, which I love that notion. How did you have this mindset that the scope of what you needed to manage was more than say specific new business, high opportunities that your team could hit their numbers and convert, but you didn't just think about feeding your team.
0: I think quite quite honestly, it was very selfish. I couldn't fully get my arms around the business. And I think knowing that I, I truly didn't have a good conceptual picture, it was really driven selfishly. Like I obviously knew that we needed to help the team, but like I needed it more than the team did. Because if I don't fully understand or have a good idea or a picture, I'm not going to be able to execute on what the team needs. So I would say first and foremost, it was a really selfish decision on my end because I needed the most help at the top.
1: Excellent. So you got the the process piece set up. I'm curious, how do you think about the people side getting your team optimized? What's been the focus in sort of evolving maybe the individuals or the people side of it? How do you think about that?
0: I think my team loves it, to be honest. Like when they get those Slack notifications that they have a new demo request. I see them, they're like, oh, I'm over here talking to so-and-so, my phone goes off, I got a Slack notification that says I got a demo request. You see them hustle back to their desk, they know they have 20 minutes to give that person a call, it not only outlines their priorities, but it gamifies the whole process for them. They love it, and they're excited by it, and it keeps them also accountable to themselves as well as to their manager. Cause they know if they've missed several requests or they've missed several Slack notifications, they know what, how that's going to impact their day at this point. And the older SDRs that have been here longer with us, they relay that to the newer SDRs in a completely different manner than I do. Like mine's very, very, very analytical. It's like, these are the notifications you're going to be getting. You need to get to your request at this you know time. They're coming from a completely different perspective. They're like, if you don't get to it, it's, you know. That's it. There's your whole day. Like when you're getting these notifications, you got to be on top of them. Speed to lead is our most important metric that we're following right now. We have people that thank us for getting to them so quickly. And also, you know, time is of the essence to try to meet these learners where they're at. If they're signing up now, that means it's top of mind for them. So it, I think it's a one two punch. It's how I view it and it's how the team views it as well.
1: And I think anybody in any role wants to know how they're contributing to the. The whole company success, being super clear on what you need to do and what's important. feels very empowering as an individual. And they're great. So you get, you get the team set up with all of the tools and capabilities they need to be able to hit those goals, right? That speed to lead. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about how you think about the attributes of a kick-ass SDR team. What do you look for in your people? How do you set them up? How do you rally them? Like the people side of it. Give us some insights into how you keep them engaged and excited?
0: Yeah. The first thing I always look for is someone who has a growth mindset. It's not, to me, it's not about the methodology of, you know, you got to be first in the last out. It's you have to optimize your time while you're at work. And if you don't, your eight hours are extremely valuable and I want you to have a great work to home life balance. So understanding that when you're in seats, you need to be focused specifically on work. And I think anybody that comes in that has that mindset is already kind of levels above someone who doesn't. And then also failure. I encourage them to fail all the time. Someone who is experimenting and trying new things and working on their talk track and helping others and failing forward is the second biggest thing that I look for and being positive, not shutting off new ideas being receptive to what other people are saying. And we're really big on peer-to-peer management where it's not you're just hearing it directly from me all the time. We're having new SDRs work with older SDRs. We're having SDRs work with account executives because everyone's gonna have a different perspective on not only the business, but your talk track and how you communicate with customers. And it's important for you to really bring that full circle for them. Sales is cyclical. And so should the beginning and the learning process. It should all be a full cycle. And so bringing people in that have these really good attitudes has probably been the most important thing to me. I always will take someone with a higher will over a higher skill, because if you have such a desire to learn and grow, that skill comes as a byproduct from your will. And identifying these people early on in the process has been challenging. But like I said, we kind of pose it to the team. Are these people working well with us? Are they doing a good job? Are they being open-minded to coaching? So it's not just what I see. It's what the team sees as well. I also truly believe that happy salespeople sell more. If you're happy, you're engaged, you trust the process, you like your manager, you're going that's going to come through on the phone. You're going to sound differently than someone who's miserable at their job. So having people that are energized and excited about what the company does is one component. The second component to having happy salespeople is setting them up for success. And if you're not set up for success, that can be really difficult for you to do the other aspects of your job. And again, setting them up for success, I really mean just more in the tools and the the day-to-day that we're looking for. I try to optimize as much as I can for them so they can focus on the customer and the prospects, and how they're speaking to them.
1: I love that. It makes sense. As you look at 2022, what could be the next evolution? Do you see any trends that you're like, oh, I've got to be thinking about this next?
0: So 2022 is going to be pretty intense, and we've gone through this assess what we need to do situation, and I want to be done with ideating. We know what we need to do. So now it's time to align with everybody else at the company. We need to be in lockstep and we need to go and activate and achieve. And we need to act immediately on what we actually need to do, because I think we have the data that we need and it's time to kind of put that to bed. And now it's time to get everybody on board and it's time to act on that. I also think that 2022 is going to be huge for us in different ways. And to answer your question about where things are going in sales, one thing that I've really really noticed and it shouldn't come as a shock to anybody is like stop calling people all the time. Stop emailing them all the time. Meet the person where they're at. Meet your prospect where they're at. Say, "Hey, I've reached out to you a couple of different times. Here's a link specifically to my calendar. I want you to schedule when you have time rather than me getting on the phone with you and saying, Rachel, I have an opening tomorrow at two 30. Does that work for you? Or what, like what works best morning or afternoon? It's like, nope. we need to let them come to us essentially. And it's been working really well for us. We started experimenting with this at the end of Q4, but the psychology is simple. Don't push someone into an interactive walkthrough or a demo. Let them come to you because people feel more inclined to do something when it's their idea.
1: We've been having discussions around that here too. You have this empowered consumers, They do want to self-serve. They do want to lead and guide and tell you how they want to interact rather than a push.
0: If you look at our industry, cybersecurity, there's a new evolving threat every single day. And what our main goal is, is to help people harden their security posture with everything that's been going on, the Log4J or, you know, the threats of Russia right now. It's not going to work for me to tell a CIO or CTO or CISO, like, this is the time I have available. It's like, no, I need you to schedule time when you have availability. And we want to empathize and sympathize with what's going on, not only in the industry, but how busy you are helping defend your organization. And just a really simple flip of that talk track has been able to do wonders for our SDR team.
1: I love it. That's great. Really awesome.
0: Any final points, Well, one thing is like, I don't have all the answers. I've just been doing this for a really, really long time. So I like to lean on, it's funny. I was actually reading about this the other day. Sean McVay is the head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. And there's something called the Sean McVay effect where he came in and he's the youngest coach. He was the youngest coach in the NFL. And a lot of teams and organizations looked at that at first, like this isn't going to work. And they were like, oh, wait, you mean to tell us a younger person with a new perspective coming in can actually coach well and, and lead a team to victory. That's crazy. And so I, w- I was really like thinking about that. And I need fresh lifeblood all the time for new people just getting into the game because they're not jaded. They're looking at it completely through a different lens. And so I would say some of my biggest advice to not only myself, but other leaders that have been doing this for a long time look at what the younger people are doing. <laughs> look at what the new crowd, the new wave of, of people coming in. Just because we've been doing this longer doesn't mean it works. So really try to understand what they're doing, what their perspective is. And again, have a growth mindset to try something new.
1: Yeah, here I, and I have teenagers and my son bought this NFT that gets him into a community that's basketball player. So now he gets like time with the basketball player. It's a key to get into something. Anyway, we could talk about the whole world changing. It's a whole other dynamic.
0: I wasn't doing things like that when I was younger. I was like, I'm just trying to buy new ringtones for my cell phone. Children today are like investing and they're, they're involved. Yes. They're more culturally educated than I ever was. And again, to your point and to my point, there might be some gold to be mined there. So we, we should be paying attention.
1: So I think your advice, yes, pay attention to what's going on because we have this whole next wave of digital and that's going to completely transform. A couple of closing questions. What would be your advice to someone who's just about to start their first job as an SDR or wants to, to be an SDR manager?
0: So somebody who's just starting out as an SDR, my best advice ever to you, just keep asking questions. Coming into this, I actually took the Gallup Finder a year ago and I found that I'm a forever learner. And I think that's what, it's one of my top 10 strengths. It's number four. All I want to do is understand, collect all the information, collect all the data. I want to keep asking questions. And I want to make sure I fully understand that. Again, I think that's what made me you know, partially successful as an SDR. If you ever get stuck, just ask another question. It's the easiest thing to remember. And the more that you continue to understand and know, the more layers of that onion, you're going to be able to peel back and know your customer better. As a manager, listen to your team listen to what your team is saying and listen to what they're doing, you know, analyze those calls, see the conversations that they're having role play with them. I think the thing that's brought me a lot of success is I was an SDR. So I was in the trenches with these guys. I did their job when you come in from the outside and you maybe necessarily haven't been an SDR. I think it's harder for them to trust you. So let them know that you're there to support them. You can get on the phones. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can not only talk the talk, but you can also back it up with walking the walk.
1: Excellent advice. And final question, who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch?
0: Oh gosh, this is a tough question. Oh gosh. In the world of operations, it can be any operations, not just sales operations. It could be be any operations. operations. Gosh, this is a really tough one because I have so many people and I, I got on a, a really big kick in um 2021 on not listening to sales podcasts. I started listening to hostage negotiation podcasts, and it served me very well in 2021. And Chris Voss was, was my guy. He just was really helping me to understand that, like getting a no. Again, the simple psychology is allowing people to feel like they're in control of the conversation. So I think right now I'd like to take Chris Voss to lunch. He's not specifically a sales guy, but he does have a big impact on the sales community right now.
1: Excellent. Well, maybe we can make that happen. In the future, I hope to be able to arrange OpStar's lunches as soon as the world opens up again. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate you being on today. It's been so much fun to chat with you and catch up again.
0: Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Rachel. Always a pleasure to chat with you.
1: The Upstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing sales and revenue operations, head to leandata.com. And then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.